The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to Filato's Fantasy Corner. It's another episode on the great and wonderful Big Blue View Radio Network. We are entering week seven of fantasy football, ladies and gentlemen. You could be five and one. Four and two, three and three, two and four, one and five, oh and six, whatever it is. I hope you're having fun with fantasy football. Hopefully, not the last couple because that's not good. If you're two and four, definitely do not give up. Definitely do not because there's still a chance you can come back. I've come back from one and five starts to make the playoffs. You need a lot of things to go your way. You need to get lucky, but that's a lot of fantasy football. The thing you're trying to do in fantasy football is just give yourself that edge that 10% edge that you can possibly give yourself to break the variance that is fantasy football. Anyways, we're going to get into some fantasy rankings, some key stats. I'm going to go through some of these players to help set your optimal lineup for this coming Sunday and even Thursday. I'm recording this on Thursday. By the time you listen to it, the Thursday night football game would have already occurred between the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the New York Giants, our wonderful New York Giants, the New York Giants that are coming off of a win, something we're not used to saying, but hopefully in the near future, we'll say it more often. Anyways, quarterbacks. First quarterback of the week for me is Russell Wilson at Arizona coming off of the bye. Russell Wilson has just been airing it out. He's been allowed to cook. Seattle gives up the most fantasy points to the quarterback position. So this could be a really high-scoring affair with Kyler Murray throwing a lot of passes completing, forcing Russ to kind of up the score and keep throwing, and it could be a really high-level type of a shootout. As for Arizona, Arizona isn't as liberal, I guess you could say, with giving fantasy points to the quarterback position, but they rank in the bottom half, but it's about 17, so that's not as bad. They definitely can be had. They have faced some easier type of quarterbacks. They've faced Dwayne Haskins. They've faced Andy Dalton last week, which we all unfortunately saw. So I think Russell Wilson can have one heck of a game. My number two is Kyler Murray versus Seattle. So I do believe that that game is going to be really high scoring. Over-unders have it as a very high scoring game as well. 56 points, which is a lot of points. So it comes in Russell and then Kyler at number three. It's Josh Allen at the New York Jets. I think this is going to be a get-right game for Josh Allen, who has struggled. I mean, he started the season incredibly hot, 28 fantasy points, 34, 31, 25. In the last two games against Tennessee and Kansas City, two really good teams, he scored 16 and 15. That's not ideal. But against scrub teams like the Jets, who he's already played once and scored 28 
fantasy points in week one. Threw for 312 yards, two touchdowns, rushed 14 times, 57 yards, and a tutty. He's probably going to go off. So he gets to travel downstate to the New York metropolitan area, also known as East Rutherford, New Jersey, and play the Jets. So I have him as my number three. And then right behind him is Patrick Mahomes at Denver. Now, Denver's rush defense is still good even without Jarrell Casey. At least they were against New England, who has a pretty beat-up offensive line. Some of the offensive linemen are on the COVID-19 list. So Denver was able to control the line of scrimmage and really get after Cam Newton in that game. But I can see Pat Mahomes, the Chiefs going into Denver, Denver having a solid defensive game plan, and this being, hey, Pat, we're going to need you to kind of overcome what Denver does because Vic Fangio is a defensive genius. So do your Mahomes thing and make things happen. And I think Pat Mahomes will more than happily do all of those things. He, the Denver defense ranks about 10th in the league and giving up fantasy points to the quarterback position. Five, I have Matt Ryan against Detroit. Him and Matthew Stafford are actually really good friends. I'm sure we brought up on the telecast because it always is every time the Falcons take on the Lions. And Matt Ryan has been a boom or bust, depending on when you started him. If you started him in the first two weeks where he had 23 fantasy points against Seattle and 28 fantasy points against Dallas, you were happy. If you started him the next three weeks, where he had 11, 12, and then 7, you would be pissed. But if you started him last week against the poorest Minnesota defense that just traded Yannick Ngakwe to the Ravens, then you'd be really happy because he had 31 fantasy points, whereas Julio Jones also had 30 and who hasn't really done anything all year because he's been injured. Matt Ryan against Detroit. Detroit did better against Gardner Minshew, but if you watch the film last week, that could have been a huge day for the Jaguars passing attack. Gardner missed a lot of throws. DJ Chark dropped a couple. Chark had 14 targets on the the day, which was asinine. And I got to say, though, despite all those things, I do think both the cornerbacks, Okuda and the kid from Penn State that they drafted two years ago, his name's pretty hard to pronounce, Armani I think those guys are pretty solid cornerbacks from what I saw just from going over the Gardner Minshew tape. Speaking of Gardner Minshew, at seven, I got Justin Herbert who gets to play Gardner Minshew's defense, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Herbert, coming off of a bye, has kind of taken fantasy by storm as a rookie. Gets Kansas City in week two. He had 22 fantasy points, had 14 the next week, so it was more modest. And then at Tampa Bay and at New Orleans, both games on the road, he had 23 and 27 fantasy points. The last thing we saw of him was throwing in the Superdome for four touchdowns without his number one target for most of the game, Keenan Allen. So I have him coming at seven. Number eight, I get Deshaun Watson versus the Green Bay Packers. Deshaun Watson, without Bill O'Brien, has been somewhat of a different player. It's like he's able to kind of do more and be himself which is somewhat off script and it's definitely not as conservative of an offense and it's been to the benefit of particularly Brandon Cooks but Will Fuller's still getting his the tight ends are getting involved a little bit more Jordan Akins has been injured but Brandon Fells has fallen into the end zone so Deshaun Watson is a solid person to start you're not going to be benching him next I have Matthew Stafford and Matt Stafford it's been a little modest. Right now, he ranks 24th in fantasy points, but he's had a bye week, so you have to consider that. 
and it's just been kind of middle of the road until week four where he had over 20 fantasy points but before that without Kenny Galladay he didn't break 19 fantasy points four point per passing touchdown leagues and then against Jacksonville last week he didn't have to do all that much DeAndre Swift had a really good game he threw one pick one touchdown at 223 yards only scored 12 fantasy points not ideal but in this matchup against Atlanta even though Atlanta's defense looked better without Dan Quinn, seems like teams do that once they fire their coach. They're really revitalized the next week. So I have Matt Stafford coming at nine. Ten, I have Ben Roethlisberger at Tennessee. Big Ben has been able to really sustain fantasy success for multiple receivers. Last week it wasn't as pretty, but that was just by design because they were blowing the Browns out. The Browns couldn't do anything. So it was just a lot of heavy James Conner, Benny Snell, and a lot of players like that. 11, I have Tom Brady at the Raiders. 12, Carson Wentz versus the Giants, who's getting it done with his legs and just had like negative points going into halftime last week and then finished with over 20. So he's kind of erratic. I uh, think you know, well, by the time you guys are listening to this, you'll know what happens with Carson Wentz, but I have him at 12. 13 is Joe Burrow versus Cleveland. He's been throwing the ball a lot he hasn't thrown for less than 36 attempts in any game so far this year his offensive line is not good aj green came along for him they've been using him in a lot more quick ins quick slants things of that nature instead of him being vertically used and he's still pretty good i would say from what i've seen doing slants using his body to shield off the defenders being good at the catch point contested catch situations so I have Joe Burrow sitting there at 13, 14. Is Ryan Tannehill versus Pitt? Would have him higher. Don't like the fact that they lost Taylor Luan. I think that's going to be a, a pretty bad loss for that offense in general. I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff, but I don't know if he'll be as effective or have as much time. I don't know if the running game will be as good without Taylor Luan, their left tackle. So I have him at 14, 15. Is Cam Newton versus San Francisco. Hopefully the offensive line can get a bit more healthy. 16, Gardner Minshew at the Chargers. 17, Teddy Bridgewater at New Orleans. And then 18, Drew Brees versus Carolina, Derek Carr versus Tampa Bay, and 20, I have Andy Dalton at Washington. Now, it wasn't a good start for Andy Dalton on primetime. Washington can really get after the passer. I don't really want to start anybody past Derek Carr. I don't really want to start Jared Goff versus Chicago, Drew Locke, Kansas City, Jimmy Garoppolo at New England, Daniel Jones against Philly. I don't really want to start any of these guys. But if two quarterback leagues, if you need to, I feel like you can uh, do worse, I guess, than guys like Derek Carr, who I have at 19, and then Andy Dalton, who's at 20. It's just not sexy, especially if Zach Martin doesn't play, since he does have concussion issues. But on to the running back position. Number one, I have Alvin Kamara. Now, I don't really think there needs to be a lot of analysis on whether you should start Alvin Kamara. He's typically always my number one running back. Zeke will slip in there every now and again, but he could sustain excellent receiver numbers just off of what he's getting through the air. So he's excellent. Number two, I have Aaron Jones. Now, Aaron Jones gets to play Houston, who has been pretty weak against the run. The last couple games, Aaron Jones didn't have his huge kind of games. He had 14 points against New Orleans, 17 against Atlanta. Very solid. And then last week, he only had 10 points against Tampa Bay. Very good run defense Tampa Bay has. But Detroit... Week two, remember he had 41 points. That was one of his breakout games. Like, oh, he's getting the same kind of usage as he did last year. He's still very, very efficient. But he has, on the season, several touchdowns. He's one of the best running backs in fantasy. 
don't really need much after that. Three, I have Ezekiel Elliott at Washington. It was a terrible game for Zeke, for sure. I think we all know that. Last Monday night, he fumbled the ball twice. They started using Tony Pollard more because it was a blowout. But he's Zeke. He's a top three running back to own. So you're definitely starting Zeke. Kareem Hunt, I have at four at Cincinnati. So Kareem Hunt, still no Nick Chubb. He had a down week against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a very, very good defense. But he's still getting the usage. He's still getting the targets. He has seven targets in the last three games. It's not great. But he's just getting carries on the ground. 13 last week in a blowout where they want to preserve him because he tends to have soft tissue injuries sometimes. He was getting over a groin injury earlier in the year, but played through it and played well. And just the volume that he sees in what should be either a lead type of game or maybe even a competitive game, depending on what Cleveland Browns team we see, I don't see why you would not start someone like Kareem Hunt. So he finishes at 4-5. I have Derrick Henry versus Pittsburgh. Now, this is going to be a, an interesting matchup because Pittsburgh, they gave up the long run to Miles Sanders, but their defense has been incredibly good this season at stopping the run. And obviously, Derrick Henry, who busted two long runs last week against Houston, he has that ability and he easily can. Yes, he had, loses Taylor Luan and he's going up against one of the best rush defenses in football. At home, mind you. But I don't know how much success he's going to have if he doesn't break one of those long runs. Now, he can always fall into the end zone. You can do that, especially when you're that big. But I would fire him up no matter what. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. Six, I have Mike Davis at New Orleans. Seven, James Conner at Tennessee. Eight, if he's healthy, Joe Mixon versus the Cleveland Browns. Monitor that, okay? He's not practicing. I know he's done this, but he was dinged up last game, and Giovanni Bernard came in and played. So monitor it, and if you're a Joe Mixon owner, go pick up Gio. If, go pick up Gio now if he's not already picked up. And I haven't had his practice reports quite yet for Thursday, but he didn't practice on Wednesday. 9, Chris Carson at Arizona. 10, Todd Gurley versus Detroit. Now, Todd Gurley is interesting. Todd Gurley looks like, like as I've said, Looks like he's done, right? Doesn't look like he has that much juice, but he gets so many carries. So many carries. He's 14th right now in fantasy points on the year. And he just coming off of a 20-touch, 20-attempt game, I should say. 23 touches, 4 targets. He has 9 targets the last 2 games. He's being used more in that kind of way. Had 21 fantasy points 2 weeks ago. Only had 6.7 last week against Minnesota. Because the Falcons did not need their rushing attack against Minnesota. Which is frustrating if you were playing Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Shade? I think so. Now, Todd Gurley, I actually have a league where I can't start Todd Gurley. Because I have Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, and James Conner. All whom are higher on my rankings. But if you have Todd Gurley and he's your running back too, I don't think it's the worst situation in the world. Especially in deeper leagues. Especially. So, he's somebody in this matchup against Detroit. He can definitely have success. Detroit has struggled against the run throughout the year. Josh Jacobs versus Tampa Bay. Now, this one's interesting. We have to monitor it because Trent Brown, the right tackle for the Raiders, came down on the COVID list. And contact tracing forces all of the other offensive linemen to 
possibly miss this game. So you have to monitor this situation. They're not practicing those offensive linemen, but if, if they go into this game without any offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen against Tampa Bay's front and Todd Bowles, which is one of the best defenses in the league, that is definitely problematic for Josh Jacobs. So please monitor that situation. 12, James Robinson at the Chargers. James Robinson hasn't been as good as he was two weeks ago, I guess you could say. If he didn't get into the end zone last week, it was a pretty gross game for him in what could have been a good matchup at home against Detroit. He's somebody to sell high on maybe now. Hopefully they get back to running the football. The Jags offense has not been good right now. You could point to Gardner Minshew. I know DJ Chark talked about it after the game about how the receivers are getting open, but they're not being seen. So it might be a squeaky wheel gets the grease for Chark kind of thing. But Robinson, if he didn't get that receiving touchdown last week, it would not have been pretty whatsoever for him. 13 is Ronald Jones at the Raiders. Leonard Fournette should be healthy in this game. But Ronald Jones might have locked this job up until he does some Ronald Jones type thing, misses a block, drops a couple passes, and then we might see Leonard Fournette. But as of right now, it's a much more stable situation than it was. But usually, whenever you think it's a stable situation with Ronald Jones, it ends up being pretty unstable. So he's kind of a frustrating person to own, at least in the past, but hopefully he's bucked that trend. 14, David Johnson versus Green Bay. Green Bay is not that good at on the road. They weren't last year. They were frauds, really, on the road. They got spanked by the Chargers, by the 49ers twice on the road, and now they're on their second straight road game. They went down to Tampa Bay, got annihilated. Now they go down to Houston, a team nowhere near Tampa Bay, I don't believe, especially on defense. So I think Green Bay is going to be a get-right game, but David Johnson could fall in the end zone. He's somebody getting a lot of carries, gets a couple targets here and there, so that's why he comes in at 14. 15, I have Kenyon Drake versus Seattle. High-scoring game at home. Should see plenty of carries because that's been Kenyon Drake's thing. Kenyon Drake hasn't had less than 13 carries in a game, and that was against Carolina. Week 1, 16 carries. Week 2, 20. Week 3, 18. Week 4, 13. Carolina. Week 5 against the Jets, 18. Last week, 20. Now, he doesn't have a big involvement in the passing game, which is very frustrating. I think there was an expectation that he would be used more going into this year after he was traded to Arizona in the passing game. I mean, he had 68 targets last year, and I know he only spent half the year with Arizona, but Cliff was using him in that way. And then, why would that change? It worked last year. But this year, the guy has eight targets. It's very odd. But Chase Edmonds has been doing well as the receiving back, and they'll use them both in several different offensive packages, and it seems to work. But from a fantasy perspective, you want to rip your hair out. But last year, if you started him, he probably won you some matchups. Monday Night Football, last game of the slate. Goes out, has a 60-plus yard touchdown run. 69-yard touchdown run. In garbage time, sealing the game. 28 fantasy points for Kenyon Drake. That's pretty excellent right there. Other than that, he's been pretty frustrating, especially where a lot of people drafted him. But against Seattle at home, he could fall into the end zone again. And hopefully he can bust off a long run again because Seattle's defense is not good. Even though they're coming out of a bye, still not good. 16, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at Denver. Denver has a stout run defense for sure, even without Jarrell Casey. But he's going to be used in the passing game. Le'Veon Bell's going to siphon a little bit of opportunity. Probably not a lot because he doesn't know the offense well, but he's at least eligible to play in this game. 
but he's still someone that you could start. 17, DeAndre Swift at Atlanta. They came out of the bye and they used him more. And I expect that's going to probably happen here and there for Swift. Still going to be a frustrating situation because Adrian Peterson isn't going anywhere. 18, Justin Jackson versus Jacksonville. 19, Antonio Gibson versus Dallas. It's going to be a lot of checkdowns, but J.D. McKissick ain't going anywhere. So he's another frustrating one. But Dallas's defense is so bad. Antonio Gibson is a playmaker. So he comes in the top 20. Devin Singletary at the Jets comes at 20. And then 21 is David Montgomery versus the Rams. Now, David Montgomery is a running back 20 right now in fantasy points. But since Tariq Cohen got injured, he's been used a lot more as a receiver. He had eight targets against Tampa Bay, five last week against Carolina. He's still getting a lot of carries. He had 19 carries last week. He was inefficient with them, but that's David Montgomery. So you hope he falls into the end zone. This is a tough matchup on the road against a probably really pissed off Los Angeles Rams team that just got beat pretty bad by their division rival, Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. So that's why he's a little bit lower for me. But he's somebody that just gets the volume and the opportunity, and you're going to want to start. Next, 21. Well, actually, it would be, I guess, 22. Jarek McKinnon at New England. Starting running backs against New England isn't ideal. But with no Raheem Mostert, McKinnon's value seems to be increased, especially since he's used a lot as a receiver. I mean, look at the games where Mostert was out. He had, McKinnon, that is, had 13 fantasy points, 15 fantasy points. The game that Mostert got hurt. Initially, against the Jets, he had 13 fantasy points. Jeff Wilson might not be back for this game. The thing that's a little concerning is Jermichael Hasty came in last week, played pretty well. So we might see more Jermichael Hasty. So if you're in really deep leagues and you're really desperate, you could try that. But you're hoping that he breaks off like a long pass play or something because at New England is not a great place to play. Denver kind of bucked that trend last week, though. Let's see if they can... Make that more consistent. 23, Daryl Henderson versus Chicago. 24, Melvin Gordon if he plays versus Kansas City. And then 25, Boston Scott versus the New York Giants. If you want the rest of the rankings, please go to Big Blue View and check them out. But before we continue on to the wide receivers, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. First receiver, DeAndre Hopkins versus Seattle. He didn't have to do much against the Jets. He didn't have to do much against Dallas. And even in the Jet game, he had a really good fantasy week because he fell into the end zone. And there was like one driver who was targeted significantly. Against Dallas, he had one really big play. But versus Seattle, a team that's going to put points on the board, I think he's going to have to play. Like the DeAndre Hopkins, we all know. So he comes in as my number one. Don't need to talk much about him. Nor do I have to talk about Devontae Adams, who did not have a stellar week back from the hamstring injury against Tampa Bay last week. But he gets Houston now. I know Bradley Roby's a good cornerback for Houston. He's playing really well this year. But Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. And I think Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers should hopefully get it right. I don't know if Houston's a good enough team to really stymie them whatsoever even though it's another road game that they typically struggle on. Number three, Stefan Diggs versus the Jets. This could be an early game where Stefan Diggs just finds the end zone. I mean, right now, dude, Stefan Diggs, talk about the fantasy community missing on him and how good he's been. He's the wide receiver four right now in fantasy football. He's been playing out of his mind, really, and he's helped Josh Allen, even though the last two weeks Josh Allen hasn't been all that great, but he's 
had double-digit fantasy points in standard leagues, except for week one, where he had 86 yards. But the targets that he gets, 9, 13, 6, 7, 16, 8. He's a stud. He's been playing really well. And this might be one of his last games where he can just totally go off against a Jets team that is terrible. Because his schedule gets a little bit more difficult later on when he hasn't seen New England twice. Because, in, let's be honest, Bill Belichick is going to try to eliminate Stefan Diggs. And you have Stefan Gilmore obviously doing some coverage there. But this week, love him. Fire him up. Number three. Four, I have DK Metcalf, who is really coming into his own. He has over 90 yards in every game this season. Over 100 twice. 8, 6, 8, 6, 11 targets. He's kind of taking targets away from Tyler Lockett, to be honest. I don't know how consistent that will be, especially after defenses kind of rule their coverage much more towards DK Metcalf. Good luck covering this kid. He's an absolute stud. Hasn't had less than double-digit points in standard leagues. He comes in at 4. Number 5 is Kenny Galladay at Atlanta. Kenny Galladay is another one who doesn't get targeted all that much. But he's a big play threat against a defense that gives up big plays. He's five. Tyreek Hill, another person, doesn't get targeted that much at Denver. But again, I think they're going to have to throw the ball. And I think Tyreek Hill is in for a huge game against the Denver Broncos. But he might only get six targets because that's basically all he ever gets. Six targets, he'll use them on a couple end arounds, some like touch passes, which count as targets, count as receptions. It's good for Pat Mahomes. But I think he'll be used creatively against Denver. Number seven, Calvin Ridley versus Detroit. Number eight, Michael Thomas. If he's healthy, he had a setback. So we have to look into that. He has a slight setback, but he might still play against Carolina. Number nine, Julio Jones. Came back, was very healthy against the Minnesota Vikings. Had over 30 fantasy points. Had over 100 yards receiving. Had two touchdowns. And then number 10, A.J. Brown versus Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh, very good defense. But Pittsburgh's defense has given up big games to number one receivers and two receivers in general. Darius Slayton torched them in week one and the Giants passing game has been pretty bad this year now we look at what AJ Brown has been able to do he had eight targets in week one then he was injured and they had to buy and he came back against Buffalo at nine caught seven of them Houston last week had seven targets caught five of them had two touchdowns and then one touchdown against Buffalo so he's been very good since he's come back from this buy and from this injury and against Pittsburgh I feel like those are going to be some deep shots. I feel like A.J. Brown can have a really good day. He comes in on my top 10. Number 11 would be Keenan Allen, a healthy Keenan Allen, that is. He's going to command a high target share from Justin Herbert, as he has. It's been just under 40%, which is astronomical. But again, got to take into account Mike Williams wasn't there for most of that time, and it is a limited sample size. But Keenan Allen just gets peppered with targets if his back spasms are done with, and he gets some limited practices in against Jacksonville. I can see him having one heck of a game. And we have Terry McLaurin versus the Dallas Cowboys, team that surrenders the fourth most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. And Terry McLaurin, through the last four games, has a 28% target share. Now they're Kyle Allen targets, although Kyle Allen threw two dimes against the Giants. Two. But Terry McLaurin is the wide receiver 13 right now. He only has one touchdown on the year, but he's the wide receiver 13 on the season. Standard leagues. He had 12 targets against the Giants last week. Probably didn't even really notice because he didn't do all that much with it. The Giants defense also playing a lot better than a lot of us expected. But the last two weeks in standard leagues, 
the Rams, and the Giants, he doesn't even crack 10 points. So obviously, that's frustrating. Stick it out. Tyron McLaurin is going to be a stud this week against Dallas. Dallas can't guard, can't defend, can't do a lot. I don't expect this to be a huge high-scoring games because the offenses, both of them, are pretty inefficient and injured. But if there's some people that I'm going to trust, it's Terry McLaurin. 13, Chris Godwin versus the Raiders. 14, Tyler Lockett at Arizona. Now, Lockett in the beginning of the year, he had 8 targets, 8 targets, and then 13 targets. So he was just getting the target share. The last two weeks hasn't been as pretty. It's not doom and gloom, but it hasn't been great, but it's definitely stabilized the target share between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf commands the last four games 25% target share, whereas Tyler Lockett commands 24% of the target share. But he's very efficient with the targets that he does receive. Should be a high-scoring game. And I think it's going to be a somewhat of a get-right game. Have him a little bit lower than probably I'd like to in these rankings. I think there's some reservation just because we have seen it trending another way. I think it's going to get right somewhat against Arizona. Arizona does have some good cornerbacks. I think whoever is lined up on Kevin Williams will be the guy that Seattle attacks. But they have Byron Murphy, who's been playing really well this season. Patrick Peterson. I said Kevin Williams. I meant Kevin Peterson. It's kind of confusing out there because you have a 21 Patrick Peterson or 27 the other Peterson. So Tyler Lockett at Arizona. And then Allen Robinson versus the Rams. He's going to see the Jalen Ramsey treatment. And that's not great. It's not. But he should also see 10 targets. He saw 9 last week. Caught five of them for 53 yards. It was a disappointing game. The week before, we saw 16. Only had nine points in standard leagues. Caught 10 of those, though. So if it's PPR leagues, it was around 16 points. But he's only been under 10 targets in a game three times, and they were all nine. He's a target monster. Hard to bench. Wouldn't bench. It's going to be tough against the Rams. The Rams have been really good against opposing wide receivers. Jalen Ramsey isn't a joke. And the Rams are second to last against the opposing wide receivers. Washington's actually the best against opposing wide receivers. It might be a little bit more of a product of game script, the fact that receivers weren't doing much against them in the fourth quarter because the offenses are just running the football all the time. But I love Allen Robinson. I think he's going to be okay. You hope he falls into the end zone. But he's going to be getting that Jalen Ramsey treatment, so got to be a little bit realistic about the upside there. 16, Amari Cooper versus the Washington football team. Amari is the wide receiver five right now in the year. But he's doing it somewhat in Amari Cooper fashion. He has his random two-point games like he did when James Bradbury was shadowing him. But the target share, again, amazing. 14 targets, 9 targets, 12 targets, 16 targets. Those were all with Dak. And then four targets against the Giants, and 10 targets last week against Arizona. I don't expect him to be as bad as what we may expect because of Andy Dalton, but his upside is severely capped by the fact that Dak Prescott is not there anymore. But you probably don't have better options than someone like Amari Cooper. Number 17, I have Robert Woods versus Chicago. Robert Woods right now is wide receiver 14 on the year. He has three total touchdowns, and he's been modest, but he hasn't. Had a lot of boom games whatsoever. He had 10 targets last week, which you'd like to see, but he only had five the week before that, seven, six, five, eight, going all the way back to week one. And he's only cracked 100 yards once, and that wasn't week one against Dallas. We all know what Dallas' defense is like under Mike Nolan. 
So I think about Robert Woods. I think about Chicago, who gives up the third least fantasy points to the wide receiver position. It's definitely something that's a little concerning. But you might not have the ability to bench someone like Robert Woods. Last four games, Robert Woods has 22% of the target share in that offense, whereas Cooper Cup has 26. And Cup could have had a nice game last week. But Goff missed him on a deep post. He missed him on another deep ball. Dropped one. Something that Cup doesn't do too often, but I feel like he's done more than I would like just because I have him in fantasy, so I pay attention to it. But I have Robert Woods at 17, 18, Mike Evans versus the Raiders, 19, Odell Beckham Jr. at Cincinnati, and then 20, Robbie Anderson at New Orleans. If you guys want the rest of my rankings, please go to Big Blue View. I'm going to get 20 all the way down to 32. As for tight ends, we can go through this quickly. Travis Kelsey at Denver, number one tight end by far. There's the tight end position is always like this. There's two or three that are at the top. Like I remember a few years back when it was Jimmy Graham and Rob Gronkowski with a two to own. They were first round picks in some leagues. Now those guys are George Kittle, who's injured a little bit more than I'd like. Travis Kelsey. But you also got guys like Darren Waller, who's my second versus Tampa Bay. Basically a wide receiver that plays tight end. A quarterback who doesn't really air it out as much as we would probably like albeit he did it very well the last time we saw the Raiders play with the deep balls to Nelson Aguilar and Henry Ruggs. But Darren Waller sees a hefty amount of targets. Tampa Bay is pretty good defense. They got Devin White. They have Levante David. They have very good linebackers who can cover pretty well. Now, they gave up that one touchdown in prime time to Jimmy Graham, the old man Jimmy Graham. But Tampa Bay is ranks just below the median in fantasy points allowed to the position. So it's not terrible. It's not great. Someone like Darren Waller, who figures to be a huge fixture in what they're going to do, should have success against Tampa Bay. But it's a great defense. you got to look at that offensive line. If the offensive line is beat up, they're going to keep a tight end into block. I don't know if that would be Waller. They might just put Waller in as a big slot in some formations depending on the matchups Tampa Bay presents them. But you're not benching him. So there's that. And then you have TJ Hawkinson at Atlanta. TJ Hawkinson, it's a little frustrating for me. He comes in at three because he doesn't get a lot of targets, but he's scoring touchdowns. Atlanta is a team, as we've said in this podcast, that you can beat through the air for sure. Last week, Jacksonville was the same kind of team. But last week, he had two catches. He just happened to get in the end zone, which you're like, oh, okay, that's excellent. As long as you get in the end zone. Because Atlanta gives up the third most fantasy points to the tight end position. And I think Hawk could get into the end zone once again. So I have him at three. Four, I have George Kittle at New England. We know that Bill Belichick is going to try to scheme to stop George Kittle, but he is so hard to scheme. So he still comes in at four, but I have those other guys over him. But if I have George Kittle, I'm not benching him. You can't. It's George Kittle. And you know Kyle Shanahan is very creative and will find ways to get him the football. He comes in a 4-5 Hunter Henry versus Jacksonville. Now with Justin Herbert as his starting quarterback, we haven't seen him blow up. He had a touchdown against the Saints, which was good to see for Hunter Henry. He doesn't look all that explosive, but he's just a really, really big body that operates well in the short to intermediate parts of the field. Number six, Robert Tanyan at Houston. He didn't live up to that three-touchdown game. Not a lot of people expected him to. Came off a bye. Had his five targets. 
didn't do all that much with him. The game was so weird because Green Bay jumped to a lead. Aaron Rodgers was doing the Keen Peel skit. And the next thing you know, he throws a pick six and everything just falls apart. But I think Houston is a team you could take advantage of through the air. You could definitely take advantage of them on the ground as well. They give up the sixth most fantasy points to the tight end position. And I think he's really the number two option on that offense. I think it's Devontae Adams by far and away number one. And number two is Robert Tanya plays about 60% of the snaps, 65. You don't love to see that, but he's running routes on those snaps. He's not just pass blocking. Number seven, Austin Hooper at Cincinnati. There's a lot wrong with Baker Mayfield right now. They have a lot of weapons, but Austin Hooper is still seeing his seven targets, six targets a game, doing fairly well with them. Catching them, doesn't have a lot of yak ability, but he can be a threat in the red zone because he's so big. Number eight, Noah Fant versus the Chiefs if he ends up playing. I think Noah Fant can... You could find him on some waivers because he's been out, and I think you should go and pick him up, especially in 10-team leagues because you have Drew Locke back, and Drew Locke did not look good against New England, but they got the win through those two late picks. But Drew Locke's going to have better days than that, and Noah Fant's going to benefit from that. So I have him in my top eight. Number nine, I have Jared Cook versus Carolina. Doesn't have a huge target share. Doesn't get a lot of targets. Big threat, though. Saw him score in prime time against the Chargers. On a deep horizontal cross. Still has that in his arsenal. And with the current way the tight end position is standing. I think you have to look at guys like Jared Cook. And be like okay that's somebody that I can start. It's gross. It's not great. Honestly outside the top five. All these guys have such a low floor. Guys like Jimmy Graham who I have at 12. If he doesn't score a touchdown that's gross right. Rob Gronkowski I have at 11. Doesn't score a touchdown. What is he? He's gonna catch it and get tackled because he moves like he's not a football player anymore. Ten. I have Hayden Hurst versus Detroit. He gets like four targets a game in a high passing volume offense. It's very frustrating. But you hope he falls into the end zone. That's kind of the current state of the tight end position with everybody outside of Kelsey Waller and Kittle. Even Mark Andrews, who is uh, who's by this week, he's somebody that we all talking about. We all liked, right? Didn't do anything. Because the Ravens' offense is really weird, too. They like to run the football. But without Marshall Yonda there this year, that interior offensive line has issues. And the whole offense has suffered significantly. They're not clicking on all cylinders. They bring in Des Bryant. See what that does for the outside presence. He'll be a red zone threat, but I can't imagine he has all that much juice left in his legs. Bringing Yannick Ngakwe for the defense. Excellent. Number 13, since I went through... 10 to 12 already is Evan Ingram at Philadelphia barely saw any targets last game had the two catches there's only two catches big catches one to open the game off of a nice very nice play call by Jason Garrett I mean think about the game against Dallas what happened the Giants ran counter nine times so they had Caden Smith it was from a YY set it was from a H-back set we're talking about the fronts Caden Smith would pull around and the backside guard would pull with him. Backside guard would kick out, counter play. And Caden Smith would lead block. So in the first play against the Washington football team, he shows that same look, pulls the backside guard. Caden Smith fakes like he's going that way. And then he just pivots and goes into the flat. Built uh, built in play action. And it could have been a touchdown if, if Daniel Jones threw it a little bit sooner to Evan Ingram. But then after that, Evan Ingram just had another catch on that mesh route on that important third down. And then he wasn't used because it was a very conservative game plan. So I have him at 13. I think it could be a huge, huge game for Evan Ingram. Because Philadelphia, like I've said, has struggled against the tight ends. 
Got killed by George Kittle. That's George Kittle. Got beat really bad by Tyler Higby. His only good game. But Evan Ingram, his upside's always there. But the downside is always there too. So I have him at 13. He's startable. Definitely could have a good game. You guys will know that by the time you're listening to this. 14, Darren Fells versus the Green Bay Packers. 15, Eric Ebron at Tennessee. Eric Ebron hasn't necessarily been as good as a lot of people would hope. Chase Claypool's kind of taken over that role as a big body guy. And then Deontay Johnson should be back here. So he's not as high as his athletic upside should suggest. And then 16, Dalton Schultz at Washington. 17, Anthony Ferkser versus Pittsburgh. That's if Johnny Smith is out. I kind of like Anthony Ferkser. Definitely somebody you can find on your free agent wire. So if Johnny Smith misses this game, which he is dealing with an injury, he's definitely somebody to think about. 18, Logan Thomas versus Dallas. 19, Tyler Higby versus Chicago. And then 20, Cameron Bray at the Raiders. Alrighty, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Philato's Fantasy Corner. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast and enjoy your day, your night, and this weekend of Sunday football where you don't have to watch the Giants on Sunday. So just enjoy the fantasy day. All right, everybody, take care of yourselves and have a lovely one.